Mike, do you have headphones on? Or if I say Alexa, will your Alexa? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She's primed and ready. Alexa, play Football Absurdity Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Football Absurdity Podcast. My name is Jeff Crisco, and I got a room full of friends here. I got Mike Valverde, Walker Kelly, and making his return to the podcast, Fantasy Pros, and the Lateral. Was it Lateral Fantasy Football Podcast? I think it's uh, the Lateral, a sideways look at fantasy football, but I really need to shorten that. I, I can't imagine that's good for SEO. No, it's well, you just got to be like fantasy football lateral, the fantasy football podcast about fantasy football, and then it'll hit the <laughs> SEO. Oh, there we go. Yeah. All right. It's Herms, everybody. How you doing, Herms? Yeah, what's up? Oh, oh. Yes, Herms, baby, back at it again. What's up? Hey, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Herms, a very, very <laughs> subdued guest, I would have to say. How you doing, buddy? Former, former football absurdity writer moved on to fantasy pros. Uh, you got work up there, and what what are you doing for the pros? I do all sorts of different stuff. Uh, I do some copy editing. That's uh, honestly, like, it is a ton of fun. You know, like it really uh, goes back to my journalism skills that I honed at community college. And then uh, I help out with the podcast producing every now and then, and then uh, writing, just a bunch of writing. So I mean, that's that's pretty cool, man. Pretty cool. Yeah, well, it's good to have you back in the fold. Uh, I, we're going to call you the first graduate of Football Absurdity University. How's that sound? <laughs> hey, there you go. I finally have a bachelor's. All right, cool. <laughs> Your diploma's F- in the mail. FAU does not stand for Florida Atlantic. <laughs> the other FAU. So uh, Herbs is here today. We're going to talk running backs, or as we started to call them, the Runny Boys. Thanks Ooh. to Herms, the Runny Boys. Uh, this is our last. This is our last position preview, guys. Are we all are we all excited? Because next week's the draft. That's uh, crazy. Yeah. Less Next week, week. I'm excited. So let's do let's get some plugs in off the top. Twitch is coming back. Next Tuesday. Mike, what time do you want to do this, Mike? Three o'clock Pacific? Nine o'clock Eastern? Or six o'clock Eastern? We're not gonna break time and space. Um three three o'clock is is good enough, I think. Perfect. Uh, Mike is going to do the, what is it, Carolina Reaper Wings Challenge, 10 wings, 5 minutes? 10 wings, 5 minutes, 5 minute cool down. In the middle of a 32-pick mock draft for the first round of the NFL. Then on Thursday, Evan will be back during the first round of the NFL draft to talk uh, live reactions. And then we'll be back on Friday during round two to talk live reactions as well as round one reactions so that's coming back on the twitch uh if you check out the website footballabsurdity.com uh tony martin the host of th fantasy the first uh football absurdity podcast network show fap network by the way uh show he has been putting up player profiles all month long it's been great for me because i haven't had to do any work he has i think 14 running back profiles going up this week so those are all scheduled and going up three to four a day. And uh, next week I have written and it's in my back pocket, uh, team needs, fantasy football team needs for all the teams in the NFL. So that's going to go up next week and that'll take us through the draft. And then we got rookie roundups and then we got 
player profiles, and then sleeper breakouts and busts, and then guess what? It's draft season. Let's go. Yeah. All right. Let's go. Yeah, we are getting there. So, um, you know, the buzzing off after six hours uh, is going to change. So um, we mentioned it on the uh, Patreon episode last week, but we got two great guests coming up. Mike, do we have a day for JJ Bearden yet? Has he gotten back to you on that? Yeah, he hasn't. No, he hasn't returned um, yet. Uh, Burden. Okay. But at um, some point, JJ Burden's going to be on. And, but May 19th, we are going to be having a discussion about rookie quarterbacks with JT O'Sullivan. Just touchdowns O'Sullivan of the quarterback school and of Jesuit University or Jesuit High School in Carmichael, California, the school next to where I grew up. So <clears throat> I get to talk to him about that. So we're very excited about that. And with all that, Let's what do you say we get into the show? Let's talk some rookie running backs. So I think rookie running backs are interesting because they are the most likely rookies to have an impact in your one. Uh, I put in the podcast notes. If you just look at the names of the guys who get taken every year, they usually there's a good chunk that end up in the top 24 or should have ended up in the top 24 if they didn't get hurt like Travis Etienne. But you've got Najee Harris, Javante Williams, Elijah Mitchell. Last year, Michael Carter made some noise. The year before that, you had DeAndre Swift, who made some noise last year. Jonathan Taylor, the big boy, Mike. Yeah, my dude. Yeah, A.J. Dillon, pass catching back. Cam Akers, J.K. Dobbins, Antonio Gibson. The draft before that, Josh Jacobs, Miles Sanders, Daryl Henderson, David Montgomery, Damian Harris, Devin Singletary. And then after that, Saquon Penny, Chubb, Rojo. I had to get back to the Rojo draft because Herms is here. Naheem Hines and Chase Edmonds. But what you can see is that guys kind of hit the ground immediately. All or some of these guys have been fantasy relevant in the last few years. So I just wanted to give that little primer off the top that this is probably the episode with the guys that are going to be most impactful for one quarterback league or yeah, for one quarterback leagues. Cause you know, our quarterback episode, whoever gets starting positions out of the gate will be relevant in two quarterback leagues. But for one quarterback league, I kind of feel like this is the most important episode for us to talk about. Yeah. Right. Yep. I mean, receivers are important too, uh, to a degree, but this class, I don't think you have quite as, you know, quite the uh, top end that you did in last year's class. So, um, or the class before that, to be fair. So yeah, I, I think that, uh, this will be the most important for your redraft leagues for sure. Absolutely. So Herm's going to ask you, what is your overall I'm putting you on the spot here because I didn't put this in the notes. <laughs> Your overall impression of this class, and you can kind of compare it to the last few classes to see, to kind of make that that distinction. But what's your overall impression of this class? I mean, I think a lot has been said about the fact that it's not super like top end talent heavy, and I think that's a pretty fair thing to say because we look back at certain class. Like, like specifically recently with Jonathan Taylor and J.K. Dobbins and DeAndre Swift, like that draft class, you look mm-hmm. at that and you're like, wowzers, whoa, no, these yeah. guys are insane. Yeah. And then, but, you know, so a lot of stuff kind of has to live up to, to that in people's minds, I guess, for some reason, because everything has to be relative to everything else. I don't know. Things are weird. Life is weird. Anyhow, yeah. like it's it's not there. It is definitely not there. But the interesting thing, at least in my mind, and I think the same thing can be said about the wide receiver class as well is like it's it's deep with guys that can do different role things, which mm-hmm. I think is fascinating. Like if a team is looking for 
a piece to a committee that could be, you know, more of like the satellite guy. Or you're looking for like a slightly larger dude to just do the, uh, hey, you want to run up the middle here real quick and you'll just be kind of, you know, one of those guys. You can get some of those guys out of this class, too. So I think this is going to be a really good draft for teams attempting to round out building a committee. It will make things more confusing for fantasy because I think we've seen over the last several years, but there's been a particularly stark drop off in recent years. You know, like the disappearance of the quote unquote workhorse, you know, mm-hmm. there are very few running backs that get over a certain snap percentage and then touch percentage of their, you know, overall backfields, you know, available work to them. So it's going to be particularly frustrating at a certain point, but I think once everything is kind of figured out and the season gets going, it's going to be like, wow, a lot more of these guys were relevant than I thought there would be. So like, I'm I'm very excited about that. Yeah, I I, I kind of tend to agree with that. Where I think there's going to be a lot of one Bs in committees that come there's out gonna, of this draft. There's going to be a bunch of Ramondre Stevensons that are like so the greatest. So go that, that are like relevant like for three weeks of the season. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. There's probably going to be a lot of guys that fall into production because the guy ahead of them gets hurt, but they're not necessarily good enough to take the role from the guy ahead of them. I mean, you're really talking like like Brees Hall, depending on what role Kenneth Walker ends up in, maybe Isaiah Spiller, and then you're kind of starting to. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I don't, I don't even think that Spiller, who is a pretty average runner, isn't a mm-hmm. great athlete. Like, I don't think he's going to be super effective year one yeah so. i mean honestly depending on where he falls tyler aljair or aljair or however you say Al- it aljir i think aljir i kind of like him depending on where he ends up more than isaiah spiller i think spiller depends on landing and destination yeah for redraft there yeah could certainly be a scenario where guys like aljir or zamir white or something could end up being slightly more relevant than spiller even though they might not be as well-rounded of football players yeah I mean, Al Jair does one thing really well, and it's run through dudes' faces. Yeah, he's he's very good at that. Yeah. So, but I mean, that's the same reason we all fell in love with Javante Williams last year in the middle of the season, because he just was running through dudes' faces. So it's it's entirely possible that you know we have that kind of like, uh, all of a sudden we see these guys in action, and it's like, oh, okay, they can't. This this is a thing that they can do at the next level. I think that's a lot of questions, and this one is like, can we do this at the next level? Can you know? Can Kenneth Walker catch passes at the next level? Not you without know, hands. Not can't, without his hands. <laughs> that's no. true. I don't know if anybody saw the Photoshop, but he does not have hands, according to the Photoshop I did. They're all gone. They're gone. Or Where'd they so, go? Does, does Kyron Williams' terrible testing matter at the next level? You know, because he plays yes. well. It, yes, it does. But there's a lot of that kind of questions in the class. So, um, Mike, what are your thought, overall thoughts on this class? Um, I think you guys covered it pretty well. Um, everything that I was going to say is pretty much done and covered, uh, you know, mostly ancillary pieces. It's going to really come down to Brees Hall, um, Kenneth Walker, and those are the two guys you're going to draft and redraft. Outside of that, it's all really more fantasy dynasty related than anything else. All right. So, Walker, any final thoughts since Herms and I led that? No. No, that's Walker's final thought. All right, let's get into the rookies. So what we did is the same that we've done every other episode. We've taken our top fives. We've blended them together into a, a composite rating. And then we're going to talk about those guys. And then we're going to have our Trey Regis Memorial picks. And for the first time, 
because Kyron Williams is such a weird guy. We're going to have the same Trey Regis Memorial pick for two people. So that'll be interesting to discuss. But we're going to start at the top. We've mentioned his name a couple times. Brees Hall out of Iowa State. Uh, 5'11", 217 pounds, 9.96 RAS. And if the numbers you get are different, I've pulled all of their height and weight numbers off of RAS.football. Our you know friend of the podcast, uh, Kent Platty. Um, he puts all those together. Awesome resource. But um, that's where I got these numbers. So Brees Hall, Mike, why don't we talk about Brees Hall out of Iowa State? Likely to be the first running back off the board. Yes, and he should be uh, because he combines everything, size, power, creativity. Uh, if you want to, the one thing that stands out about Le'Veon Bell is pretty much the same thing that stands out about Brees Hall, uh, and that's patience. He, he knows when to hit the hole. He knows when to press offensive line. He knows when it's time to put on that motor, and he does. Uh, he, he has very good ankle strength, which makes him or allows him to make precise cuts, uh, can juke defenders, and he has that short area quickness. His lower half is very strong, very strong, uh, which helps not only in running downhill and running over players, but also in blocking uh, great awareness and instincts uh, demonstrates uh, contact balance. Basically, when he gets hit, the defender falls down, he doesn't. And he can fight for those extra yards because he has that such a strong base. Uh, he only fumbled once in 2020. So he knows how to take care of the ball. And when he's running through cutback lanes, he blazes through them. Uh, and he, he knows when blocks are being created and he takes advantage of that. Also, when it comes down to pass protection, he, he want him back there. He He's very excellent in doing that. Uh, I, I see some concerns with his long speed. Other people don't. Uh, so that's interesting. I think that's going to be a, up to the person viewing him. Um, some say he's a home run hitter. Some don't. I, I say he's not really, but he does have that display of taking it to the, to the house whenever um, – that uh, is is right uh, rivalable for him um, or available for him I should say um, due to that as I said that big playability is limited he does flash some elite burst but needs to do that more often um, it's it's very sporadic uh, so in the NFL you need to be consistent if you're mm -hmm. not consistent then you're going to falter and that elite burst that he has sometimes he does it sometimes he doesn't but um, also he needs to offer more um, athletic and uh, dynamism at, at a, as a receiver out of the backfield. So when he catches the ball, I think some of that long speed and stuff hampers him there. So he'll get the ball out of the backfield through pass, but doesn't explode uh, like Naheem Hines, those kind of players. He's more um, slow to develop. So those are the negatives about him. Overall, the guy can do everything and should be the number one pick off the board. Overall. Yes. Yeah, as far as running back. As far no, as running overall back. in the NFL draft. Forget. Oh, yeah, for sure. O over right there to the Jaguars. Yeah, yeah, right there. Ja Jags oh, take uh, – Trent Baalke strikes again, taking <laughs> <laughs> a running back number one. So, Herms, Mike made an interesting comparison. I want to get your thoughts on it because you're a Steelers fan. So you saw Le'Veon Bell up close and personal. And Mike said that uh, – uh, Brees Hall's got some Le'Veon Bell to his game, which kind of fleshes what I said. I, it reminds me a bit of Joe Mixon, and Joe Mixon reminds me a bit of Le'Veon Bell. So they're all kind of the same sort of thing. So what are your thoughts on this Le'Veon Bell-Brees Hall comp? Do you think he could have that kind of jumpstart to his career 
before ultimately making a terrible business decision and falling off the face of the earth. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I'm I'm still I'm still processing that. That was a very, very was... strange thing. But hey, we ended up with Najee Harris, so everything is fine. But yeah, um, yeah. James Conner was good for a while too. And yeah, you know, shout out the Steelers. Shout out the boy from Erie, PA. Yeah, well, there you go. But um, yeah, dude. I mean, it's. It's tough because I think like Le'Veon Bell at the beginning of his career and then what Le'Veon Bell blossomed into are like slightly different things, you know. But that being said, like I definitely understand that. And I think the part of it that really rings true, it kind of ties into like I don't really have any massive criticism of Brees Hall by any means because obviously he's insanely good and really well-rounded. But like he lacks physicality for like a guy of his size you know what i mean he does not use his size to like impose his will onto defenders you know what i mean like he is much more likely to just use some sort of finesse to what he has going on to get himself out in space so it's like from that standpoint i'm like yeah i definitely see that for sure so yeah i think it's a pretty good comparison i've also seen a lot of people say you know something to the effect of oh he kind of you know looks like matt forte out there a little bit and mm-hmm. i'm like okay all right you know i kind of see what's going on there you know i maybe agree with the lev bell comp a little bit more than that but either way we're looking at a guy that is just that tall that thick that fast and can do all these different things like it's going to go very well for him the best thing about Brees hall is the fact that his skill set is well-rounded enough to the point where He's a fairly scheme agnostic player, at least mm-hmm. I, that's how I classified. I don't know what other people call that, but like he can go and pretty much operate in any sort of offensive system, which I'm just like, yeah, cool, because I don't think that's going to be true of some other players that we are going to talk about later. That's what they call foreshadowing. Oh. So, like, look at this. <laughs> I've got a podcast at Timer too. I know, you know, I'm pretty good. But yeah, Brees Hall, dude, I, mm, the rumblings of him going to Buffalo in the first round. I really don't think that's going to happen because, and I will say the one, the one thing that really bothers me is the people that are putting Brees Hall up there. just using his metrics and measurables and being like, Oh, he's like the same type of prospect as Jonathan Taylor. I'm like, no, 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 stop, 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 stop. Like I cannot wait until I get to stop hearing that because like, there's a reason Brees Hall is not going to be a, first round running back there's a reason that's incredibly rare mm-hmm. you know and frankly jonathan taylor should have been but i digress like yep. mike is very a, happy he wasn't though yeah very, i mean hey, you get that cheaper contract but i don't know he is that good he is the top guy by some margin but i do want to caution people in terms of viewing him as this like oh he's the next elite prospect everybody yeah. look out it's Brees hall because <laughs> like that's really that's not quite what we're getting but still an extremely talented player that i'm very excited about yeah i mean every class is different like you know look at the 2013 class and tell me how many of those guys deserve to be top 10 picks that win the top 10 in most drafts and that's kind of the class we're dealing with here overall I was talking to somebody about it. It feels like this class overall, to give you an idea, is missing like like it's missing the first page of prospects. You're like there feels like there's 10 or 15 guys missing that should be at the top. Um, But there's it's it's very deep. And I I think Herms, you're spot on there where it's like just because he's the number one, don't get it twisted that he's Jonathan Taylor. 
or, you know, the next coming, because not every class is built the same. So, um, Walker, let's get your thoughts on Brees Hall, and then we'll roll into uh, Kenneth Walker, your boy, your namesake. That's right. Um, yeah, I, I agree. Brees Hall is more can makers than Jonathan Taylor. Um, just kind of a well-rounded, solid player who I don't think will ever be spectacular, but mm-hmm. should be good for a long time. Um and like the the ceiling of that is like Frank Gore, where you play forever and you're just like really good for forever. Yeah. And you know the low end of that is like Alfred Morris, Doug Martin, where you're really good for like two years. Um. So you know somewhere in that range, which is a big range, but he he should be good for at least his rookie contract and maybe even into his second contract. Um. And you brought up Joe Mixon, and I think that's a fair comp because Mixon's pretty much his whole career, he's always been good. He's never been elite, but he's always been like good, better, better than the average running back. And that's mm-hmm. what you're going to get out of Reese Hall is he's going to be a value add to your team every year, but he's never going to be like the reason why you're winning. Yeah, he's never going to be the Jonathan Taylor just or, you know, when he was good, Saquon Barkley, that just takes over a game. He can just. You give him the ball and he's not going to screw it up. He's going to be above average. He's going to be good. So um, a lot of that has to do with his speed. When you're talking about Saquon Barkley and Jonathan Taylor, they can hit the home runs where. Yeah. uh, Yeah. Where Hall Hall is not at least. That's what I've read somewhere. He says he is, but I don't I don't see it. I don't. He gets more more of a doubles guy. Yeah. He gets chunk runs where he'll run for like 20 yards, but he doesn't break off like the 70 yarder very often. Right. Yeah. If he falls, is it a ground rule double? Like if he's running and he just falls, it's a ground <laughs> rule double. Freeze fall. Freeze fall, hey. folks. Hey, dead ball. All right, so let's ground talk. Rule. Let's talk the consensus number two running back for the for our group. Uh, Kenneth Walker, five nine, two eleven pounds. I don't know why I said that so weird. Nine point two eleven pounds. Two eleven. Never forget. Nine point two six RAS. <laughs> Uh, he can catch. Next guy, Isaiah. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, I I think that uh, I'm gonna. I, it, this is against the grain because most people will tell you that his negative trait is his pass catching. Um, and I don't grade running backs on run blocking because I feel like that's something Overboard. that is really well taught at the NFL level and that any running back who's willing to do it can become a decent run blocker unless they're really tiny, which Kenneth Walker is somewhat undersized, but he's not tiny. Um, and he tried to block at Michigan state. He just sucked at it. So a willing blocker to take. Yeah, exactly. From willing blocker. Um, yeah. So his one drawback is his size. He's not a real big guy. He's mm-hmm. a little short, a slightly underweight. You know, you like to see, and it's silly. It's a little silly to look at it that way because, you know, if he was 5'10", 215, nobody would say he was small, but he's 5'9", 211, so people say he's small. But, you know, he's probably not a guy you're going to want to give 25 carries in a in a pro game to. You know, in college, you can hold up to that, but in the pros, I'm not so sure. Um, his average traits for me are his pass catching. He shows an ability to catch the ball with his hands. He shows an ability to make difficult catches. Um, but he's very inexperienced and his route tree is pretty much non-existent because he's never been asked to run routes. So 
he definitely needs work in the passing game. He needs polish, but there's a little bit of ability there kind of sitting around waiting to be used. Um, and I think his strength is pretty average. Um, he's certainly not weak or anything in his lower body. You know, he, he can push guys around with his lower body strength, but he's not really a power runner per se. Um, where he really excels is his contact balance. Um, he just, he, he's got that like covered in butter type trait where guys just can't get a solid hit on him. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's how I've always described Alvin Kamara's running style is slippery. And, uh, I think Kenneth has those similar traits where guys just seem to like fall off of him when they try to tackle him. It, he, he slips tackles so well and he forces missed tackles so well. Um, it, and that that's truly a, a rare ability. Um, he's explosive. He can break big runs. Like we were saying, Brees Hall doesn't really break the big run a whole lot. That's not what you're going to see from Kenneth Walker. He's going to get 60 yard touchdowns. He, he will get out in the open field and break free. Um, very explosive, very fast, um, very agile, good vision too. He's very good at, uh, kind of hanging out at the line of scrimmage, finding the hole and then accelerating quickly through it. He doesn't, uh, he's patient, but he doesn't dilly dally. He doesn't get his feet stuck in the backfield very often. Um, even when he got stuffed at Michigan state, it was mostly just cause the blocking was bad and there was nothing to do. And so he just kind of was like, well, this play is dead. I'll take the one yard loss and we'll move on. Um, overall, I, I have a second round grade on him. He's my RB two behind Hall, who also has a second round grade, just slightly higher. Um, really, the floor you're working with here is Philip Lindsay, uh, another undersized guy who could break off big runs and was really fast, uh, but kind of lost efficiency as he got beat up in the NFL. Um, but I, I don't expect Kenneth to get beat up as easily. Um, ceiling here for me is Warwick Dunn, another kind of small back who just was extremely exciting. Uh, get him out in the open field, and he was, you know, it, he, he could hit a home run at any time. Um, and then my midpoint, my actual comp is J.K. Dobbins. Um, I, I think that Kenneth is another guy like Dobbins who is going to get most of his production through running. Um, is a capable enough pass catcher when you ask him to do it, but isn't a guy who's going to command 50, 60 targets a year. He's going to get a couple targets a game maybe. So, you know, something in the, like, 225 carries, 30 targets range, which puts you in, like, you know, somewhere between Josh Jacobs, who's, like, a low-end RB1, and Damian Harris, who's, like, a high-end flex. So... Um, I think Kenneth will be a better real life football player than he is a fantasy asset. Um, but even for fantasy, I would expect him to be a pretty solid RB two most of his career. Yeah, I, 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 I can buy all that. So Mike, you got, you got a uh, boxed out of talking about a guy last time. So why don't you give us your, imp- your, your impression on, uh, on Kenneth Walker? I, I think what it, everything that that Walker said is correct. All the good stuff. Um, I, I'm I have a little more on him as far as negativity. Uh-oh. Uh oh. Mike hates Kenneth Walker. <laughs> um, he needs to go. Um, no. It, <laughs> he he's just he needs to be more decisive when making plays. Uh, he he'll bail on it. Um, if it's not there for him. 
or he'll try to make something happen instead of uh, allowing it to happen, those kind of things. So he's very system oriented, in my opinion. Uh, he's going to have to go to the right system, Ravens, which would never take him just because they have J.K. Dobbins and stuff like that, but or the Fortnighters. But some some system like that where there is, OK, this is the hole we're going to create for you. You need to run through that hole and, you know, he'll do it. But if it's clogged, then he kind of just gets impatient and doesn't know what to do. And I don't know if that's just because he's his one year sort of experience out of Michigan State has been who he is, or if that's going to be a trait that lasts him through the league. So you, you can't have multiple options for him, or he'll he'll just get confused or bail on the play or try to do whatever. I'm very nervous about um, his pass blocking. You know, that that's one thing that everybody talks about, and he's just – He's just horrible at it. He, you can't trust him back there. Mike, so, he's willing. Please be nice. He's a willing vlogger. I don't even know if he's willing. To be honest <laughs> with you. Um, he's more scared than anything. Um, so what are you going to do with him? Put him into slot? You know, uh, so it, it's just I, I, he has a lot of stuff that that very that concerns me a lot. But overall talent, you can't you can't deny it. The dude, you know, when he hits those holes, he's gone. Um so we'll see what happens. Uh, Alvin Kamara is a good comp, I think. The speed, work done, a little taller than work done, but one of those speedster kind of guys. So, yeah, we'll see what happens. All right, Herms, take us home about Kenny Walker. Break the tie. Is he good or is he terrible? He is good. All I right. I would say that in, in this class, uh, to kind of echo what was said earlier, it's like these are kind of the, the two. And then pretty much anybody we talk about after this, specifically for redraft players, at least as things stand right now, these are probably the only two that are going to have any sort of serious value unless, you know, something weird happens with injury as something always does. Or there's just like a massive surprise that some player goes somewhere like way above the, you know, like draft capital that we were thinking they were going to get. But anyway... Kenneth Walker is interesting to me because we really only have that year at Michigan State to go off of because I, I went through and I watched some of him at Wake Forest and I was like, this is not his fault. Like, <laughs> they did not know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's not football, your fault. <laughs> I mean, honestly, like, I, Wake I Forest. was like, Look, watching some of that. I'm like, wait, what? I was just saying, Dave Clawson, Wake's head coach, he is very good at developing a good vertical passing game. That dude doesn't care about running the ball at all. He doesn't even try. It's yeah. not important. I, I, I'm I getting that impression every time I, <laughs> I watch some of that because I'm just like, did they not spend any time on this at all? Like, what are they no. – like, every run play, I'm like – this it, it, this isn't football. What are they doing? Like what, so, like yeah, I, I felt really bad for him in that regard because I, when I was first in this process, I was like, oh well, you know, because I don't really follow college nearly as much as I do the NFL. So you know, I was sort of under the impression it's like, oh, what if this is just a one year wonder guy? But then it it wasn't his fault. So we we <laughs> have that going for him. And then you know the but the big plot in the conspiracy here is you know things went really poorly for him at Wake Forest, and it was like, well. This, you know, it's really difficult for me to run and I don't have hands. Where do I go to mask this? So we go to Michigan, shaped like a large mitten. If you put a mitten 
over where your hand is supposed to be can really easily hide the fact that you don't have hands, which brings me into the really big point I want to make about Kenneth Walker. I made this joke. I believe it was uh, replying to your tweet, Walker. Uh it was Jeff's this tweet. idea or just yeah yeah like one of this idea that's like well he was never asked to catch passes therefore he is absolutely horrible at it in the same way that when i am at work i'm never asked to use a power drill therefore if i'm ever <laughs> handed a power drill i might kill myself you might stick it in accident. your eye <laughs> exactly it's just like that's not how that's not how any of this works like yeah. is it alarming that certain players don't get a ton of receiving work in college. Sure. I mean, I guess I wouldn't really say alarming, but yeah, if you're looking at translating skills to the next level, that's a very large incomplete on that report card. Yeah. But to just assume <laughs> it's like, <laughs> Nope, absolutely yeah. can't do it. I'm like, we're not going to know. We're just not going to know. So like of all the criticisms that are extremely fair of Kenneth Walker, most of which have already been said, that is not one of them. I really want people to stop doing that. It's very yes. irritating and I hate it. So, yes. Yeah, I just he'll he'll be fine. I think he'll be fine. I'm interested to see where he ends up cuz I mean kind of what was mentioned before like he needs to be in a position where the hole is created for him because when he just gets that one cut and goes it's like whoa, wow, look at this guy. Whoa, yeah, awesome. Yeah. Cuz I mean, jeez, he mm, very physical runner doing his thing when he has the space to do it, but when he does not have the space to do it it's very strange. So like I don't know. Landing spot's going to be fun. I'm excited to see where he goes, but just oh, I, if I see another tweet about <laughs> this man's inability. But the 8%, 8% reception share, Herms. Yeah. Uh, I, I, we had the same conversation about Jonathan Taylor however many years ago, which was yes. also weird because he did catch passes. But yeah. either way, like, Look at how that turned out. It was just fine. Like, relax. He's pretty good. At, like, I, everything comes back to Jonathan Taylor for me, I guess. But that's the I, NFL I, right I now. Everything comes back yeah. to Jonathan Taylor. Of course, yes. So, yeah, Kenneth Walker, good at football, can probably catch passes. Please relax. Correct. And I <laughs> please every, relax. Please relax. And I want to say one last thing about Kenneth Walker and hands because I've been embroiled in arguments for a day, a day straight. Stayed up all night arguing with people. Um, the just go watch. Just put in uh, Kenneth Walker versus, and just go watch when Walker, who's Michigan State's quarterback, his name is escaping me. Payton Thorn. Watch when Thorn rolls out. Watch where he's looking, because it's never at Kenneth Walker. He keeps his head upfield, and he's trying to make that play. Upfield, so he doesn't get these cheapies that a lot of other backs get, where the where the quarterback just dumps the ball off to him because yeah, he's Peyton in trouble. Doesn't know how to do that. Yes, just watch, just watch Peyton Thorn. Just do me a favor; it'll take you ten minutes. Pick a game. I watched, I rewatched the Michigan game yesterday. He doesn't even look for Kenneth Walker when he's rolling out. So that's why that the offense is the quarterback and the offense weren't built to give him passes. And when he does catch passes, he's good at it. You know, uh, only one person addressed the actual pass pass catching with me. Uh, I love you, Bo, but you're wrong. Uh, but you were the only one to actually address the pass catching skills with me, and everybody else just looked at the fact that he didn't do it. And I think that that's that's an error. <laughs> that but, that's their that's their reasoning is because he didn't catch passes means he can't catch passes. Yeah. Well, so Mike, statistically, people. if he had it under an eight percent or lower. Reception share in college, statistically, it means he's not going to return a 16-point-per-game 
average in the NFL? I think that's what the argument is. Yeah, it's wild. College running backs don't catch passes anyways. Like, unless Thank you. Thank you. The- Thank you. There we go. Yeah. Big, that's, big dub for Mike. Yes. Uh, somebody was like, uh, oh, what about Elijah Mitchell? Uh, he had a he had a 9% or whatever. I was like, he caught 20 passes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. He, Lafayette never passed. He caught 20 passes. Who cares? Yeah. So, all right. Let's uh, let's stop yelling at, at uh, people. Let's stop yelling at Twitter people. How's that sound? Yeah, that's never. Good. I got another thing, Luke. Luke Sawhook. Oh, no. No. Hutch, you're too young to read the sex thread. What else can we talk about? <laughs> Anyways, Herms, let's talk football some more. Herms, you wanted to, or you you got assigned Isaiah Spiller, uh, whose college I did not put down. Uh, Isaiah Texas Spiller. A&M. Thank you, Texas A&M. He is uh, six foot two seventeen with a five point seven one RAS. Does that mean he's bad? It doesn't mean he's bad, but it's not a great sign. Yes. So, Herms, let's talk about uh, Isaiah Spiller. Yeah, and I'm I'm really glad that I teed myself up really well for this because it's kind of like the the flip side of what we were saying about Kenneth Walker is like, you know, like just because he was never asked to catch passes doesn't mean he's not good at it. And also something else that's true, if you are in a college offense where you are asked to do it, it doesn't mean that you're good at it. Because let me tell you what, when watching <laughs> Isaiah Spiller. I do not see good mechanics as a receiver at all. I think it's incredibly clunky. I think he's bad at it. I really don't want him to do that at the professional level because it's just I I don't see it at all. It's very awkward watching him try to catch a football while running. I It's not something I want to see him do. I've seen people give him credit for being a good receiver simply because he did it sometimes, and I'm like, that's... Okay, cool. Good, good for you. <laughs> Stick with that. Keep that energy. I don't know. Isaiah Spiller, he's he's a big dude, and I think he absorbs contact fairly well. And if you ask him to like run directly up the middle, he is good at it. I want him to go to like like I think a nice vertical power run scheme would be very very nice for Isaiah Spiller. So that way he's only asked to do the thing he's good at. When I'm looking at, like, if, if I could put one player on a team just, like, right now through this draft process, I th- like I want to see Isaiah Spiller on the Bills. You know what I mean? Like, let everybody else in the Bills offense do the things that they're good at. The thing that the Bills really need is just, like, bigger boy to do the thing, up the middle, do the thing. He could work really well in tandem with somebody like Devin Singletary. I feel like, like that would be super fun. But I don't there are people that are still hanging on to this idea that he is way more well-rounded than he is. And I just really don't see it. I think the athletic testing, you know, kind of as has been alluded to, like it's very telling, like he's just, he's not that level of athlete that I think some people may have wanted to see on film or people saw whatever, you know, people build arguments in their head for things that they want to happen a lot. That's kind of the point that I'm getting at. It's like, it's, he didn't run very fast. He he didn't. <laughs> like it's, it's, <laughs> the proof is in the pudding. Like, and I understand there's a difference between you know like measured speed and game speed and all that. You know, so like it's not to say that he can't be good at the next level because I really think he can. But of the running backs toward the top of the list, I would say because I mean this is kind of true for every running back. But of all the running backs toward the top of the list, the landing spot is going to be extremely important 
for Isaiah Spiller in my mind. Because if he goes, I swear to God, if he ends up in an offense where they try to ask him to do too much, the warts in his game are really going to show. Yeah. <laughs> like, and it's just going to go so poorly. Like, the range of outcomes for Isaiah Spiller, depending on his landing spot, it's massive, in my opinion. Just absolutely massive. I think he could either be pretty good low-end RB2 if he's asked to do the thing that he's asked like that he's good at at the next level. But if he's given way too many assignments, he's going to be absolutely terrible and just have himself blown up going out, trying to make a pass or something because he's just really bad at that. So uh, he's, he's a headache. I mean, it's, it's very frustrating to talk about Isaiah Spiller. Yeah. Walker, let's get your high, low and medium comps for Isaiah Spiller there. Your, your comps are always fun. And I think they help uh, elucidate where, um, where we're looking at with these players. Uh, I was not assigned to this player, so I too bad. Do it, do it off okay. the top of your head. All right. Um. Uh. Let's see. For Andre Ellington. Okay. Um. Andre Ellington. Woo! Pulling out mid, the things there. Yeah. Midpoint. Michael Carter. Um. Ceiling. Kids. Tevin Coleman. Hey, there you go. See, Walker always pulls out the the low, middle, and high that just basically does a great job of explaining the high, like the yeah. entire this, picture. This player is somewhere between Andre Ellington and Tevin Coleman. There yeah. you go. There, there, there's your group. And I, he, he is a one B. Yeah, I have to agree with Herms that the phrase that I would use is jack of all trades, master of none, and I think. Not seeing a horrible like hole in his game, I think, and this is something that I think I'm guilty of, is moved him up the ranks because there's not like one thing you can look at and be like, oh, he's terrible at this. Like he's not a great pass catcher, but he's okay. Uh, he's not super fast, but he's okay. Like he's okay at a lot of things. But the problem is, is at the NFL, there's a small line between being Andre Ellington and Tevin Coleman, <laughs> being on the wrong side of just okay at things or hell, let me put it this way. The difference between being Tevin Coleman in 2018 and the difference between being Tevin Coleman in 2020, it's a very yeah. thin line of, of going bad. Like Isaiah Spiller would probably have like a, a decently long career as a second or third running back. And he'll have one year where he'll fall ass backwards into 12 touchdowns or 11 touchdowns because he all of a sudden has to get a lot of touches and he'll get 20 touches or he'll get 17 12, touches. 12, 12 touchdowns or better yet. 11, 11. touchdowns. <laughs> well, I, I said 12 and I was like, that's too many 11 touchdowns, <laughs> but he'll, he'll have a season where he'll get like 11 touchdowns, but he's getting like 17 touches for 62 yards per game. And it's just like, eh. like there's nothing exciting about it, but I'll touch the ball a lot. AKA he'll be James Conner. His 2020, 2021 Miles Gaskin. Yes. He'll be okay at a lot he'll of be R, Yeah, he'll be RB 23 on the season or something, but in points per game, he'll be like 37. Yeah. But I think that's a very strong condemnation of this class that he ended up being our consensus running back three because yeah, he he's is number three for all of us. Yeah, he is just okay at a lot of stuff and not great at anything, but he's also I, not bad. Right, I think it's just easier once you get past the top two. Spiller's the easiest guy to project. Like, oh, he'll have a role somewhere. He'll fit the most places. Right, whereas like all these other guys, 
probably have higher ceilings, but they have way lower floors. Mm-hmm. Like Isaiah Spiller will contribute something to a football team, whereas like Tyler Algier might not. You know, James Cook might not. So yeah. it's you and know who he thing, is. I, I got another thing that hurts. Oh, who, who is he? His career will be not not his play style, but his career will be very similar to Mike Davis, who all of a sudden had a ton of touches. And everybody's yeah. like, is he good now? It's like, oh, no, 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 he's not. No, he's he not. He's just, still the same he, guy. He's just whatever. Yeah, he's yeah. a guy. Um, yeah, it, it it also hurts Isaiah Spiller that he has a he had a better running back on his own college team because Devon A-Chain rules. <laughs> he's really good. <laughs> yeah, so it's – um yeah. So, uh, Mike, what do you have to add about Isaiah Spiller here? Is he – is are, do you disagree with the fact that he's just okay at a bunch of stuff and that's why we think he's good? Yeah, I think that has a lot to do with it. He is, um, you know, one of those where you're good at everything, but not, you know, great at one thing. I I think I think where he does excel is vision. Uh, He he sees these cutback lanes uh, from almost like the opposite side of the field. And you're just like, how do you see that without turning your head? Um, And he makes very good decisions. And I would trust him in pass blocking so he does those things very well but the his speed is just not there to make him like the best if if he had like kenneth walker's speed then this guy would be uh top first round like top 12 15 uh well maybe not anymore but top 18 running back he would be like drafted with Najee harris area so you know, you do have to have speed, and he just doesn't have it. So to me, he's almost—I see Adrian Peterson out there without speed. That—that's—that's that's just who I see. Um, oh, Adrian Peterson now. Yeah, yeah, pretty good. Yeah, Adrian Peterson, if you wore pads now, is—is uh, yeah. is Isaiah Spiller. All right. Uh, yeah. So uh, he's fine. Like I don't know if I said it before the episode. I think my guy that I'm going to talk about. Depending on where they end up, he could probably end up higher than than uh, Isaiah Spiller, who I have at three right now. And that's Tyler Algier uh, out of BYU, 5'10", 224. Not the best RAS, 7.4, but he's the same size and same weight as Javante Williams. And he does the same thing as Javante Williams. That is the this is the easiest comp I've ever seen because he does he runs through a mother bleeper's face. That's what he does. Uh, he led, uh, I'm sorry, he was fourth in missed tackles since 2020 among, uh, FBS running backs. And that's what he does. He just blasts through people. Here's the problem. If he doesn't blast through people, he's Chuba Hubbard. (laughs) He doesn't do much after that. He just runs through people. And, um, there's a lot of good body control and, and my favorite word, uh, proprioception, in his game, which is basically a fancy way of saying he knows where his body parts are, so it helps a lot with his contact balance. So he he does a pretty good job of shedding tacklers and fighting for those extra yards, which you know speaks to his force mix missed tackles number. And you know he led all FBS running backs with yards after contact since 2020, and um, he was the number two, however you believe in this, PFF running back rushing over the last two seasons in uh, the uh, NCAA. So he has a lot of upside, but here's the question. Is it going to transfer to the NFL? Because the guys are bigger, faster, and stronger there. And somebody whose entire game is predicated on running through people might have problems with that in the NFL. Because it's pretty hard to run through 
Fred Warner. It's pretty hard to run through the guys that you, the, you know, it's not the same talent level and size and speed that you were dealing with in college. So I think Tyler Algier, uh, Algier, I don't know why I keep calling him Algier. I, I think it's I've been playing. Fun it is because more you fun. have a player on your team named Algier. Thank you. That is what it is. Because I knew it was some, it was, I was trying to run through what it was. I knew it was a, a, um, uh, is, uh, Islamic influence name, but all I could think of in my head was Altair, who's the protagonist of Assassin's Creed. I'm like, I know that's not it. So yes, it's all Aziz Alshair is doing this to me, but he's just, he's just a strong boy that that's what he is. And like I said, if it, if it translates at the next level, everybody could be hyped about him. Like we were hyped about Javante Williams after the first part of the season, or he could just be Chuba Hubbard, who was not good in his opportunities last year, to the point that certain people who shall remain nameless, who are the whipping boy of this podcast, were saying, go go get Royce Freeman and not Chuba Hubbard. Mm-hmm. Um, so he definitely lies on that line of there's a thin line between good and bad. And I think he could be on the good side of it, but he could easily fall off to be on the bad side of it. So... Depending on where he goes, he could be a, a, a big uh, a big boy who runs through people's faces. Um, so, who who wants to talk about uh, uh, Algier? I had to stop myself there. Mike, you want to talk about Algier? Tell, sure. I'll make talk make about me it. mad about Algier. Or Algier. God <laughs> bless it. I can't say his name. So Algier. Uh, I mean Algier. Uh, Tyler Aziz Alshair. Um, he, I, I loved his running style. Uh, he's slow, but was Frank Gore was slow. So you know, he just, he just knows how to get from point A to point B because he'll never get to point Z. And <laughs> well, point but, A is, is getting the handoff. Point B is a guy's face. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. he'll run over that face. And so just that power decision-making get there, power back to the extreme, I love these guys. They don't really have a long career life. No, not a long uh, shelf life. It's it's always fun. And he, he, you know, someone, maybe Buffalo Bills, where he, he'll get the goal line carries because they don't want to see Josh Allen getting destroyed, you know, by year four. So, Wait, oh, hold on. He could easily just be another Zach Moss. That's the only problem there. He could be a Zach Moss, <laughs> but he, I, his vision is much better than Zach Moss's vision. Yeah. So um that there is that um but yeah i mean if you're looking at those qualities they're they're very uh um comparable so you know i I think he's definitely a landing spot uh short yardage has got to be where he's going to make that money at yeah and i i just like to say uh i love reading official like uh corporate uh draft profiles because uh, algier had f cancer but with the word spelled out, we don't have a profane uh, tag. Uh, but um, on NFL.com, it says Algier had a profane anti-cancer theme written on his left shoe versus Navy. It's just very funny to be like, oh, so he said F cancer. OK, uh, but they can't, you know, put the little asterisks in there. So, um, yeah, uh, Herms, what are your thoughts on on Algier and what do you think about him going to uh, the Bills? I just worry he's going to be. Uh, being a slight upgrade to Zach Moss is well within his range of outcomes, I think. It is, and 
you know, that could be a little concerning. But in terms of a fit, I mean, I really I really like it that because mm-hmm. I mean, they are going to have to figure out at some point how to stop just, you know, shoving Josh Allen into those situations, because like it's wonderful for fantasy. But just in terms of keeping his you know body intact for the sake of having him be the franchise quarterback for the next decade plus, like they're going to have to do something um, with Algier, like. It's interesting because like now we've really gotten to the point of the list of running backs where we see the true divide between the Wiggly Boys and the Bigly Boys. <laughs> and yes. Algier is definitely one of the Bigly Boys. Uh, I don't see a lot of Wiggly to his skill set, but he, he can be very Bigly. And the fascinating thing about him just watching some of, you know, like the his different games from different years, like how his body evolved as he was further and further removed from playing linebacker, because that is one of the things about him that's really interesting is that he, you know, changed sides of the ball mm-hmm. <laughs> when playing at BYU. So obviously you have to train differently, prepare differently, you know, like work out different areas of the body differently. I would assume I'm, I don't really know too much about fitness, but just based off of anything I do understand about sports and, you know, physically preparing for things like, yeah, you're going to attack different areas. So like, it was interesting to see just like, okay, like by the time this past year came along, it was like, okay, it seems like he's built to play this position finally. Like, okay, cool. He's got everything. And, you know, I couldn't help but think a little bit about James Conner when watching him just like, or at least the James Conner that I'm familiar with as a Steelers fan. Cause I mean, he did slightly different stuff in Arizona, but Either way, just, like, a big dude that can barrel through some stuff, but, like, I, I'm i worried about that comp and the fact that I even said it because the fine line between him being good <laughs> and being bad is such a fine line. And because he had just an entire, you know, portion of his college career away from playing running back, like, that's yes. a very large piece of development that just isn't there. So whatever team takes a chance on him is going to have to be prepared for the fact that it's like, you're going to have to fill in some knowledge gaps. Probably you're going to have to work on developing that part of his game a little bit more than you would with some of these other running backs that were playing running back the entire time. But if everything clicks and everything works out, then like, yeah, I mean, we could see a guy that could just, you know, end up even like, more conservatively but still optimistic if he just becomes like one of those touchdown vulture guys that just rolls in every now and then is like ha yeah me! instead you know and it'll just be like a nuisance to toby gerhardt baby yeah I mean, you know you never know <laughs> something like that could theoretically happen it's within the range of possible outcomes I, he's and this is going to be true of pretty much every running back we're going to talk about for the rest of the show. It's like, it's going to come down to draft capital because it, specifically at the running back position, you know, like draft capital typically translates into opportunity and opportunity is what translates into fantasy points. So the higher you get picked, I mean, obviously you're going to have a greater path toward opportunity. So watch where he gets drafted, because if it's like, if it's like middle round four or something, it's like, okay, we might have something on our hands, but if he's there, in like the seventh round or something, and somebody's like, eh, okay, fine, it's time for this guy, then it's like that path to relevancy is going to be challenging. But mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. I definitely see what people are seeing. You know, it, it's 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 there. 
Yeah. And, 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 and that's kind of the difference between like, we, we keep talking about this fine line and, and I, I think that's kind of the theme of this class is this class could break one way or the other. And it's going to be very slightly different between like, uh, you know, I'll just say Javante Williams and, and Jeff Wilson Jr., a guy that I've seen up close and personal who the 49ers are currently in the process of kind of converting to being a small fullback. So it's like, oof, that that could really easily be that that uh small small fullback. We talked about Connor Hayward up in here. Uh oh, Walker's running back one in this class slash, slash tight end one in this class. Is it going to be Ironhead Junior? That's right. He, that he is he's Ironhead's kid. He is. Yeah. So he is Ironhead. Uh, let's just he call is. him Ironhead Junior. So all right, Walker, why don't you talk uh, your thoughts on on uh, Aziz Algier? Yeah, uh, Aziz Ansari, Tyler Algier. Uh, he's. I sneeze, Algier. He, uh, he's fine. Um, you know, he, he's he's a solid all-around runner. Um, not real fast, but um, good strength, good uh, you know, good power, good vision. Um, always gets that extra two or three yards. Um. I really, uh, I was just mesmerized by Herms' vape tricks. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, uh, a guy who he's, he'll catch a few passes here or there. Um, he's kind of in that mold of guy that I tend to like more than consensus in that, like, uh, Daryl Williams type guy. Where Daryl like, Williams? Right, where he's like a big dude who can do everything decently. Um, and he's hard to bring down. So, like, he's what people want Brian Robinson to be in this class, which is a, you know, big bowling ball who is really hard to bring down and will average, like, 4.4 yards a carry. You know, he's Alfred Morris, Jordan Howard, Gus Edwards, something like that. He, he's, he should have a role on an NFL team, but the fact of the matter is that what I can, you know, you can glean what you want from this, but I have a fourth round grade on Tyler Algier and he's my running back four. So I'm not real high on this class in terms of top end contributors. Yeah. And I, that's the one thing I forgot to mention in this class is this is going to be a lot of like back end of day two, top end of day three picks. It's gonna be a lot of round three, four, five picks. Like it's it's yep. there's no guy to go out of your way and get except for the top uh, two. Brees Hall. Yeah, Brees Hall and maybe Kenneth Walker if you fall if your team fell in love with him. So um and I think we all agree with that. Right? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. All right. Uh so Walker, now we're getting to, to the what I think is when things start to get a little wobbly. With uh, we we have Zamir White out of Georgia, first of back to back guys out of Georgia, 5'11", 214. 9.82 RAS. Let's talk about Zamir White. Alrighty. So uh, Zamir is my RB5. Um, also a fourth round grade. Um, the big negative on him is uh, this dude is like... The, the reason why we're not talking about this as much as with Kenneth Walker is because Walker is a better prospect. But uh, Zamir White's pass catching, uh, no. Just <laughs> doesn't doesn't do it, isn't good at doing it when he does do it. Um, yeah, he can't run routes. He can't catch the ball. It's not what he's going to do. He's a two-down guy, but he's a very good runner. Uh, he's strong. He's got great straight-ahead speed. Um, 
I, you know, per typical running back size. Um, his explosiveness is a little lacking. I wish he broke off more long runs than he did. Again, he's more in that hall territory where he's going to get chunk plays, but he's not really going to break off huge runs. Um, decently agile, decent vision. Um, contact balance is pretty good. He's, in, in terms of running the football, he's above average to good. It's just that you can't use him on third down. So um, if, if he were to learn how to catch passes a little bit, and stay on the field for like it'd be like a two and a half down guy then his ceiling is DeMarco Murray which um you know I I I don't think he'll reach that but uh a guy with this kind of athleticism does have a high ceiling um the problem with White is he also has a low floor and that floor is uh and the only reason I know of this guy is because he was a lion but um I watched a lot of Mikel LaShore as a lion. I was my eyes popped up when you said he was a lion. I was like, who's it gonna be? Which which yeah. guy? Yeah, and uh Mikhail Ashore was not good. Um he was a two down plotter who kinda just pounded himself into the line and he ran for like nine touchdowns one year, but he was bad. Um To be honest, then, I was really worried you were gonna say Zach Zenner. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been really funny though. Um midpoint comp that's this is maybe a little bit rosy, but uh, he's a Damian Harris type player, where he could he could fumble or not fumble, but he could he could random his way into a running back eighteen year like Harris mm-hmm. did last season, where he just runs for a lot of touchdowns. Um, but for the most part, he's going to be like a, a he he's going to be an RB three in fantasy most of his career because he's he's going to have a bunch of seasons where he carries the ball like 160 times for 750 yards and seven touchdowns and catches like eight passes. And so you're just, you know, he's a, he's a high floor, low ceiling flex play. He's going to be, he feels like the kind of guy that is going to be ranked four to five spots above where he finishes every year because people will go like, well, if he gets a full load, this is what he's going to do. But he's never going to do that. If, if they stop managing his load. There it is. You got there. <laughs> if you stop with the load management. But you're, you're right. It's like he's going to get 10 to 12 touches per game, and he's just going to be a committee back. And if a team is smart, that's the best they're going to do with him. Just let him be out there as a committee back. So um, who went second last time? Was it Herms? I try. I'm trying to rotate. I went. I went um, second. I think. All right. So it should be Herms. Uh, Herms. Let's let's talk about Zamir White. What are your thoughts on him? But first, I have to admonish Walker for not pointing out his nickname is Zeus. Zeus White. Yes. Very important. Yeah. I mean, anytime you have that sort of a nickname, you really you have to you have to put that at the forefront. Yeah. Uh, Zeus. Yeah, and like. Man, the unfortunate thing about Zamir White is that if it weren't for his injury history and the fact that it very likely affected his college production, we would probably think about him a little more optimistically than we do. Because, like, coming out of high school, it's my understanding that, like, his quote-unquote pedigree was like, this dude is incredible. Yeah. And... You know, when you tear both ACLs, it's, you know, like that, 
it, it's it's a little unfortunate, particularly when your job is pretty reliant upon using your legs to do stuff. It tends but, to be helpful to have a, intact ACLs. Yeah, this, it is very this true. Very reminiscent of um, Marcus Lattimore, the old the South Carolina running back. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe that Jeff has experience with this man. Oof! Shout out to the person I saw at Candlestick wearing a Marcus Lattimore jersey his freshman yeah. or his, his rookie year though. Yeah, uh, Marcus Lattimore was a guy that you kind of had to draft because, you know, once it got to day three, it was like, well, when this guy was at full strength, he was incredible. So if he could ever get close to full strength again, he could be like a really good piece for us. And on day three, that's worth a shot. But I'm not saying that that's the likeliest outcome here for White because it isn't. You know, the likeliest outcome is he's like a backup. Yeah. So, all right, Herms, why don't you finish up your your white uh, your white thoughts? Yeah, and like that's kind of like the big point of the whole thing. Like exactly what Walker said is like some team is going to look at it and be like, well, I mean, come on, like look at what this guy was. You know, it's it's all there, kind of, just in terms of like what could theoretically happen, which will be the large appeal for Zeus White. Mm-hmm. But I. Mm, it's going to be really tough to bank on that. So, and like, I, I mentioned it just because when people discuss, you know, like anything really related to fantasy football, one of the things we really enjoy doing is like, Oh, who are your sleepers? Sleepers are fun. You know, it's just yeah. like, and he is one of those popular names and I get it, but for him to overcome that and already tearing both ACLs at the still very young age that he is, it's just like, we're going to have to be a little bit more conservative with these expectations. If you're going to plant your sleeper flag in a running back, I would probably not pick Zemir White, even though it make like, it makes reasonable enough sense. I mean, everything that's been said is true. It's like the dude can really run. I mean, mm-hmm. that much can be said. And, you know, like the pass catching, you know, it's unfortunate. But, you know, the, the next guy we're going to talk about, he's pretty good at it. But, you know, there's a role for him in the NFL. What he is good at, there are teams that will do the thing with that thing. If he finds himself in an opportunity where he's able to run the ball just over, you know, double-digit times, I think he's capable enough of being a producer for your team, but not in any sort of meaningful way where it's going to be, like, world-beating. But it's just... I don't know. It's just sad. It's sad that we'll never really know. Those pesky yeah. ACLs always getting in the way. You know, yeah. just, it, get rid of them. See it. I say yeah. just get rid of them. Who needs them? Who needs them? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think uh, a lot of Zamir White's uh, potential is landing spot. If, you know, they won't draft him. But if he goes to like a Philadelphia who really asks their running backs to catch the ball, it's not going to work out well for him. But if he goes to uh, San Francisco, th- he's just got to go. That's all he's got to do. He's just got to go. And, um, you know, he doesn't have to be this versatile guy. Um, he's just does it just does the thing. So, um, yeah, I, I think that that's, uh, Zamir White's a guy I'm not a hundred percent sure on. So I was very curious on your guys' uh, thoughts on it. So Mike, what are your thoughts on, on, on Zeus? Well, if he ends up on the same team as, as Debo, then you're going to have two characters Mike! from, I swear to God, I was trying to go the whole podcast. I asked for discretion and distance in my time of time of and you had to bring up Debo. You had to do it. 
I had to. I, I was itching. I've been waiting all podcasts to bring up Zamir White as Zeus. Um, yeah, he, he's definitely going to need uh, an offensive line for him. Um, a, he's A to B uh, kind of runner with a little bit more speed. So that offensive line is going to need to open up holes for him. And he's he's going to have to be uh, just exploitive of those holes. And once he does, he, he's going to gain, you know, five or six yards instead of three. Uh, so, yeah, you guys touch on his receiving capabilities, which is not uh, not there. So that's pretty much what I have for him. OK. All right. Uh, let's move on then. Uh, let's get we're reaching iffy backs, in my opinion. Uh, but we've got Zeus's teammate, uh, Dalvin's brother, James Cook. Also out of Georgia, 5'11", 199 uh, pounds. I'm just going to say weight weird, I guess, this episode. That's what I'm going to do. 8.78 RAS score. So pretty athletic, but not super duper athletic. And I think his uh, height and weight kind of plays into that. So, Mike, what are your thoughts on uh, Jimmy Cook? So Cook is the sort of the yin and yang of Zamir White. Uh, Cook is very much a natural athlete. Great receiver out of the backfield. Uh, when he runs, it's smooth, easy acceleration. You don't see him trying to force it. It's it just boom and gone. Uh, very good hip mobility and foot quickness. Displays overall vision and understands how to read those zone blocks. His footwork is excellent, and his hips allow him to make multiple guys miss which, you know, his teammate, Zamir White, is just, I'm just going to run you over. So, again, you know, just the total opposite. Very good in space uh, when he gets the ball in his hands, using those hips, again, acceleration and feet uh, while maintaining his speed, which is so important. You see a lot of these players, they get the ball and and they slow down or they try to, you know, maneuver without getting the speed. He Once he gets it, he's gone. Uh, so very, very fluid as, as a receiver as well as a runner. Um, and then you can use them in multiple, multiple formations. You could put him in the slot. You could uh, have jet motion for him. And he's extremely comfortable catching the ball, just like a receiver, good route runner, and will knows how to set up those defenders. And while running those routes, he and can line up outside and beat of course linebackers vertically now the negatives he's still raw uh he'll struggle to set blocks with his patience he will sometimes miss those cutback lanes um impressing the line of scrimmage he 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 can't do it very well and he needs to do that to sort of set uh set up linebackers or second level defenders and just like white in the opposite way he's not very strong or big so his contact balance is sort of average and he needs to work on finishing those runs which white has no problems with and his pass protection is so so uh he he needs to get better understanding how where where they're coming from and understand defenses a lot more so that he can put himself in a position to make those blocks Okie dokie. Yeah. Um, my thoughts on James Cook was that I wasn't, uh, super impressed by anything he did. Kind of like we were talking about with, um, Isaiah Spiller, nothing. He's a good, he's a really good pass catcher. Don't get me wrong on that, but nothing else is just like, you know, it, 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 it doesn't, uh, it doesn't impress me. Um, you know, his long speed 
is really good. Um, but he was tracked down by, let's see, I was watching against Alabama. He was tracked down by uh, Jordan Battle, who had like a 30 degree angle to get to him on a long run. So he can't get tracked down like he's not going to get up and go and be gone. But at the same time, it wasn't like he was caught up to by like a linebacker. It was a defensive back. So it's hard to give him too much uh, grief for that. Um, he's a pretty good athlete. Um, I think he's a little raw as a running back. Um, I, I think he could use a lot of work to be useful in the NFL. I don't think he's a guy that's going to all of a sudden be helpful in the second half of your, um, of your season, his rookie year where where he's a hot waiver wire pickup, but I think he could have a couple years of usability down the line, kind of like a, like a Jamal Williams ended up developing into a guy that, you know, he got the, we talked about these pass catching backs a lot last year where they kind of cobbled together production and Jamal Williams, Naheem Hines. Um, I, I hate to say it, but Miles Gaskin kind of is that kind of guy too. Um, where, you know, he'll stick around as like, you know, a, a passing, you know, a guy who's going to run routes out of the backfield who somehow has relevance because he's end up, ended up getting like 80 targets one year. <laughs> you're like, wait, hold, hold, hold on. Uh, James Cook was third in running back receptions. Like you're going to turn around and, and have one of those years out of him. So I'm not super enthusiastic about him for this year. I do want to see where he ends up. I want to see how he gets used. And then let's let's loop back around in 2023 and see how we feel about James Cook. Um, that's kind of how I feel about him um, in this draft. So, uh, Herms, what are your thoughts on Cook? He's a superstar. His brother is Dalvin <laughs> Cook. Come on. How is this not? It was right there for both of you. You could have easily said it at any point. I mean, come on. It's within the range of outcomes. By default of being related to a superstar, he is going to be a super. No, that's, that's, no, that's how it works. That's how it works. <laughs> oh, I'm I'm so glad that was left for me to say. That was that fabulous. Um, James Cook, I mean, I... I do have a an archetypal preference when it comes to running backs. I think this really this largely has to do with the fact that I play in pretty much exclusively PPR leagues, but also just the fact that I'm I really like running backs that are really good receivers. There's just something fascinating about it. So like in my mind, I'm obviously valuing him a lot different just because like I freely admit, yes, I do prefer that type of running back. But like that being said, like he is very raw, but much like old dirty bastard, ooh baby, I like it raw. There is enough. <laughs> there is enough going for it that like I think that Jamal Williams comp is interesting because like I they're sneaky good. They're sneaky good. Like whatever you think of them. Like, I, I understand there are, for some reason, there are a lot of people who play fantasy football that are just like, oh, well, all he does is catch passes, you know, because like running back, you think running, 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 mm-hmm. running like all the, so those types of players fall through the cracks. You can get them a little later in drafts. And then at a certain point, the year you're thankful that you have them stashed on your bench because it's like, yes, oh, oh yes. OK, because like when the bye weeks roll around and some injuries start to pile up, you know, those are the guys that you can deploy. And that's going to be, you know, super cool. But it goes back to what was said before. It's just like it really he needs to go to a place where he can carve out that role very early, because if he cannot do that because he is so raw as a runner, he would be stuck lower on a depth chart than we would like to see. It's, it's very frustrating with these types of running backs specifically, because it's like, what, like, well, I do prefer them. 
it's also more challenging to fight your way toward opportunity if that is the one thing you're really good at. If you're only good at one thing and that's the one thing, then it's like, oh, boy, you're going to have a hard time <laughs> finding the field unless a team decides, hey, we want you to just do this right away. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. like, I understand why he's a popular sleeper pick. I think part of it does have to do with the fact that his brother is his brother. But, like... It doesn't it, hurt, yeah. Yeah, you know, like, there's there's enough going for him that, like, in the in the, in the the right landing spot, I would consider in, like, a, a... Honestly, even a deeper redraft league. If it's, you know, like, whether, like, the size of the roster, like, a 14-team or something, like... One of my last picks, I wouldn't mind taking that flyer just because, like, the logic that I said before. It's just, like, later in the year when things end up going down, like, having those guys that can just, like, all right, well, he caught five passes for however many yards on Sunday and that saved me in my flex position. Then, like, I will gladly gravitate toward that and take that chance at the very end. But we're not really going to know what his – we're not going to know for like a week, you know, like until yeah. we find out where he plays football professionally, it's, it's, it's hard to speculate. Yeah. And I, I think that, that, uh, the, everything you said is true of like pass catching backs. And it's a conversation that Walker and I had a lot last year in the DMS about pass catching backs. So Walker, this feels like your, your boy. Because of all and, the pass catching. I know, and, and he's not. Uh, <laughs> I just, I struggle to see it with Cook. I I don't think he's a special enough pass catcher to have a James White, Naheem Hines type career. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I just don't think he's a good runner. I, I, I His vision isn't there. It's... Like you guys said, he's raw. I, I and I just don't. He's not my favorite guy. You know, he, he's in my top ten running backs, but he's not in my top five. And you know, I I think I would have a fifth round grade on him. I I think he's fine. You know, he should make a roster. He should be somebody's like third running back. But I mean, he's. I to me, his ceiling is like J D. McKissick. I mean, that's not a bad ceiling for fantasy. No, for fantasy it's not. But, yeah, I mean, again, James Cook is a guy who's going to be, I think, better for fantasy than he is a football player. Um, But I still don't see him being consistently relevant. I I think it's going to be a McKissick-type thing where he struggles to find a place for a few years and then he ends up in the right spot randomly and has like one or two flex worthy seasons as like a 25 year old. Okay. Yeah. So it's, um, we got to see how he develops kind of like what I said, we're let's, let's put a pin in him and see how, what happens with him going into 2023. So yeah, just to sort of, uh, conclude that point and with your text or tweets that the battle that you had, and we all know James Cook is a pass catching running back. How many many receptions did James Cook have this season? Probably like 22. Close. He had 27 receptions. (laughs) It's, you know, it's, it's, it it doesn't matter. Let's start to strangle people. He's Dalvin Cook's brother. He's Dalvin Cook's brother. I believe in bloodlines. Okay. It's just eugenics. 
Oh, God, did I say that out loud? Oh, Anyways, oh, 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 no. Let's talk about Rashad White. Uh, let's see, who's Rashad White related to? Uh, uh, okay, nobody. Good. Okay. Rashad White is... No uh, relatives at all. He just appeared on Earth. He just appeared out of nowhere. <laughs> he just Oof, appeared on his Arizona is. State's roster. Six foot, 214, uh, 9.88 RAS. And here's the thing about Rashad White. When I first looked at Rashad White, I was like, all right, he's pretty good. You know, I'm, eh, he's all right. And I wasn't too enthusiastic. And the more I thought about it, and the more I looked into him, and the more I read about him, he just kept moving up and up and up, up my ranks to end up inside the top five. I He was number six. And I looked at Brian Robinson, and I said, you're not a top five back in this class. And so I went with Rashad White. Um, Rashad White is cool. All right, that's all I have to say about him. No, uh, he's he's versatile. Um, he You can use him all over the formation. You can use him three downs pretty much out the gate um shifty versatile very good hands um he'll fight through holes which makes up for his you know he doesn't have the best speed i mean four four eight forty not uh, not really what you want but um he kind of makes up for it with his his elusive elusiveness um and um with his size and everything it's kind of reminds me of like a Kenyon Drake type guy, or maybe like a David Johnson who's the same size as him. Just this, like he's good all around. He's good all around, and people are going to overrate Rashad White for a long time. And he's going to have one year that people can point to and be like, "Look, look what he can do. Look what he's capable of." But play to play and down to down, he's pretty inconsistent. And a lot of that has to do with he doesn't always break the first tackle. Like sometimes he just goes down on the first tackle and that's his contact balance is, is his main issue. Um, so he's really going to have to be a wiggly boy in the NFL. Like, but he's too big to be a wiggly boy. He's six, two, two, 10. That's the problem is it's like this, this kind of back it's, it's, it drives me crazy because you're like six, two, two, 10 and, and look at what he can do, but he can't really put it all together. And He's going to have like one decent year at some point, but I think he could be like one of those like elite handcuffs in a couple years, like an Alexander Madison type who it's like or a Tony Pollard type where it's like, oh, if this guy gets the ball, you know, a lot, he'll if he takes over as the running back one, he'll do a, a ton. And then he maybe he does. Maybe he doesn't. But like he's. A lot of people give him credit for patience, but I don't know if that's patience or trying to process what's going on ahead of him. And I think that that's a problem is he is he's a big he's a bigly boy. He's huge. Six two two ten. He's a big boy, but he plays a lot smaller than that. And I think that's the problem. And um, he's decent all around. I mean, uh, like Kenyon Drake, David Johnson is kind of what he reminds me of. And I don't mean that in a positive way. I mean, those are guys that flashed and then fell off the face of the earth. Or in Kenyon Drake's case, everybody said, this is Kenyon Drake's year. This is Kenyon Drake's year. And coincidentally, all three of these running backs played in Arizona. Mike, what are your thoughts? There we go. <laughs> well, he's definitely shifty. I, I think he runs too high. Mm-hmm. So he's going to have to get those shoulder pads down lower so he doesn't get injured. Uh, I, speed is a problem, of course, with him. He's not slow, but he's not fast either. He's not going to be hitting home runs for, for any means. Uh, I, I like, I like the fact that he's hard to tackle because of his shiftiness. 
and he has that good balance. But he's also very much of a north-south uh, kind of runner. He does get around the end at times, but he's going to have to get north and south. And, again, with him running so high, that, that bothers me a little bit. But I like him. Um, you know, he, as you mentioned, he can, can make some catches and has some good straight-line speed, but he's just not very overly impressive. Yeah, he's very inconsistent. That's what kills me. It's like down to down, he looks like a different player. Like some some plays he looks really good. Some plays it's just like, what are you doing, man? Like, what are you doing? I, I think he dances around too much. Yeah. You you, you meant you made that um, sort of indecisive um, indecisiveness from him, and that's I think a lot of that has to do with okay, I need to this is not here, so I need to move this way and and that way, and that just uh, eludes too much dancing behind the line of scrimmage, and you just can't do that in the NFL. Uh, yeah, he, it's going to end up a two-yard loss if he continues to do that. Yeah, it's 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 he he is on the opposite side of uh, is he uh, indecisive or patient? He's and he reaches indecisive a lot of the time. Yeah. So uh, Walker, what are your thoughts on on uh, Rashad? Uh, I don't understand why people like this guy so much. Um, yeah, he's he's indecisive. He's a fine pass catcher, but like I don't find him to be like anything special in that. And you know, he just kind of is there. I mean, he's not like bad enough to get wiped off the page in college, but I just feel like he's not a guy who's gonna hack it in the NFL because he just doesn't do anything well enough to gain an advantage on other people. Um, you know, that, there's always a chance, but um, yeah, what white's not a Rashad white is not a guy that I'm looking at. Yeah. So when I, when I look at these players, I kind of look at like not PFF scores, but I like looking at the little stats that PFF drops, you know, in, 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 in their, their tweets and stuff. Because I think it gives me an idea of how they frame things about what the player is. So when I looked at uh, my other guy, whose name is escaping me right now. Oh, my God. Who did I look at? Uh, I don't know. The other guy. When I looked at, oh, uh, Algier. When I looked at Algier, it was a lot of blah, 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 leading the FBS. Leading, you know, all these things. Whereas Rashad White, it's like a lot of like led the Pac-12 or is top five in the Pac-12 and this, that, and the other. And it's like, okay, this is a small like this is a not as big time a player am i wrong in just saying he's just basically worse isaiah spiller that's kind of we're saying a lot of the same things just a downgrade from isaiah spiller it's not unfair (laughs) yeah basically yeah so herbs what are your thoughts on rashad i well i mean based off of this i'm i seem to be the high guy on rashad because like he loves rashad white Oh, yeah. The high guy in Rashad White on 420. 420. Hey, there you go. Shout out to all who observe. Um, Yeah, I mean, everything that has been said is fair and very accurate and true. But, like, I'm kind of banking on the possibility that there is a team clever enough to scheme up good work for him because he is the size of a bigly boy with the skill set of a wiggly boy. Like when you make it out more toward the perimeter, like it's going to be easier for you to win in that situation just because like you're going to be able to physically 
know, like outmatch, mismatch, you know, the defenders that you're going to be running up against. So it's like, in terms of him being a traditional running back, like I no, I I really don't, <laughs> I, I don't <laughs> see that at all. I I don't think that would be a particularly great use of his skill set. But like, in a in a forward thinking enough offense that does more creative things, I could see a situation where Rashad White actually ends up being pretty good. But that being said, it would require and and like I think these are the types of traps that I'm getting better at not falling into because <laughs> like every year I'll find these players where I'm just like, man, if that coaching staff was like real creative yeah. with this guy, I could definitely see it because like I'm a sucker for like unique physical skill sets. You know, there's, there's something about that that fascinates me, but like for every one of those players, I'm kind of correct about there's like three or four that I'm just like, oh, geez, I'm a moron. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, I've done this dance with myself with uh, LaVisca Chenault, for one. Boo. I I did this also with, oh, my gosh, I can't even remember his name. That's how poorly it went. Uh, <laughs> he was drafted by the Browns. He went to UCLA. I was Demetric like, oh. there we go. Yes. For, I was inexplicably really excited about Demetric Felton. Demetric you know, so, Felton, Mr. Sub-1 RAS. Oh, yeah. You know, it's, it's, I'm, I'm worried that this is another situation where I'm falling into that trap. So, like, everything I said about, like, yes, I'm excited, I'm excited. Like, I'm placing a very sizable caveat for the listeners. Just, like... There's my track record with these types of players. <laughs> Do this information what you will. If I'm wrong, I give you full permission to blame me. Like, I, I'm okay with that. You know, like, he's interesting. It could be fun, sure. but I'm probably wrong. <laughs> like, I, I, you know, it's a lazy comp, but uh, the last um, Bigley boy who had a Wiggly boy skill set to come out of Arizona State was Kalen Bellage, who is woo! just horrific. Joe yes, barbecue. I was I was thinking Bilage. of Kalen. <laughs> Kalen Balaj. Uh, oh boy, that was that that I I spent a lot of time ball, screaming ball at age. people that he's terrible. Ball age. Because Kalen Balaj was like, oh. that was on my old Twitter account before uh, Nazi uh, got it taken away. But it was very much like, no, he's bad. Please stop doing this. No, he's bad. Please stop doing this. And he yeah. was also uh, uh, Jeff has never had a, Jeff's never had a different Twitter account. Come at me, Jack, at Jack. Come at yeah. me, Elon Musk, when you buy Twitter. Oh, geez. Elon Musk. Whoo. Uh, he just sold Tesla and is moving Plain to dude. an island in the middle of, of the Pacific Ocean. No, He's that's done. not good. I don't. Somehow <laughs> that's going to be bad. That. He's going to build this, his That'll be a new base. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's Little St. James 2. <laughs> allegedly in the game allegedly in the game uh all right so let's see uh anything else that we want to add about uh rashad white not great could be good probably not yeah that's about it yeah all right herms bring us home with the good rookies before we talk our trey regus memorial picks you wanted to talk about pierre strong south dakota state 5'11", 202 pounds, 9.34 RES. And I got a bone to pick with this guy before you talk, Herms. All right. His name's Strong, and he only hit 16 reps on the bench press. Well, he's got long arms. He's Strong Jr. 
Oh, strong junior. So he doesn't have to be strong. We need yeah, juniors. Yeah, his his father Pierre Strong Senior. That's that's the real strong one. But you know. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, okay. You got him out of it. So let's talk about Pierre Pierre Strong Junior. I am so excited for <laughs> Pierre Strong. Did I? I legitimately think that this is like it of all like outside of Brees Hall, Kenneth Walker. It like we everybody likes because this is a class where you can just look through the mixed bag of assorted candy and just find the one that you think is really like, ah, yeah, this is the one that I think is good. I got to find the guy who loves the Tootsie Rolls when you do that. Exactly. Oh, there you go. Pro tip. Everybody out there. Come Halloween time. You're going to want to, you're going to want to keep that in the, be- uh, in the memory bag. Yeah. But yeah, dude, Pierre Strong, I am so convinced <laughs> is going to be super good. Like <laughs> I, I, I see it. I just do like, and I, it was really hard to find uh, footage for him, but I I came across him early enough in the process that, like, I knew that ESPN would air those, like, what do they call it? Like, the FC or FBS or whatever, whatever like, that, like, D2, like, it's not D2. FCS. Yeah. So, like, I know they aired, like, the FCS, like, semifinals and finals games or whatever. So, I was like, okay, all right, I'm going to make sure that when this game is on, like, I check my TV guide. And I was like, okay, it's airing. I want to at least be able to see one full game of this guy. And, like, it is, at least to me, so obvious that he could have played at, like, a much larger program and done extremely well like and maybe it's hyperbolic but i did put it in my notes and i don't care what anybody says about it because i just believe in this like dude austin eckler came up when i was taking my notes i was just like i see it i see it it's all there it's all there man like he's he's such a compact runner he has such good footwork and i think he is like a very very capable receiver and like just dude and also, like, I mean, he did some special teams work, which I think is something that is particularly important for players, especially if you're going to get drafted later to find yourself additional opportunity. If you can contribute on special teams, you are going to endear yourself to the coaching staff significantly faster than you would for other players. I I, I don't know, man. I'm convinced that this is going to be the late round gem that people are going to look back at and be like, why did we miss this? Oh, my God. It's like, I, oh, my God. He's the next Elijah Mitchell. He's the next James Robinson. Yeah, he, I, we did it. There you go. Honestly, folks, you know what he is. Yeah, you know who else went to South Dakota State and was extremely productive? Zach Zenner. Let's go. Zach Zenner, baby. Easy. <laughs> Herms, is he the next Zach Zenner? I mean, that those are those are tough shoes to fill, but you know, I think there's I think there's a shot. But I don't know, listeners, if you haven't watched Pierre Strong, my my biggest recommendation, if you take nothing else away from this, just d- d- watch, pull up the YouTubes. Do whatever yeah. preferred video service that I, is there an alternative? I don't Vimeo. know. Whatever. Yeah, there you go. Go on Vimeo. Try and go find on Rumble. <laughs> there you go. Like get just... past all the neo-Nazi videos, and then there's buried deep in there. Do not go on Rumble. Yes. but I don't know. I just, not please do, do yourselves a favor and just watch some of this guy because I am I'm sold completely. I am so sure that this is going to work out that I'm going to draft him in all of my rookie drafts. And like I, that portfolio is going to be stuffed full of Pierre Strong. I, so I'm going to be honest. I watched over 20 running backs. Somehow Pierre Strong did not make the list. So I watched him earlier this week when I saw that he was in your, your top five Herms. 
I like him. Yeah. He's a wiggly boy. He's a real wiggly, wiggly boy. I like him a lot. I think, you know, it's, it's, I don't have a way to explain it. I just like what I see when I watch him. And the last time that happened, it was uh, Ramondre Stevenson, who had some relevance last year. I'm not saying he's going to be a top five running back, but I think he's a name that as the summer goes on, we could see him bubble to the top. And then come this fall, he's a name that we should know. So yeah. it's the same vibe I got about Khalil Herbert last year. And I think that Khalil worked out Herbert, pretty well yeah. for me. So I mean, Khalil yeah, Herbert's cool. another guy that not a lot of people were talking about that. Another wiggly boy. Another wiggly boy. So Walker, what are your thoughts on, on, uh, on Pierre Strong here? Honestly, the only reason Pierre Strong is not in my top five is because he's really old. Um, he's 24, but. Oh, get him out of here. He's done. <laughs> but, oh, oh. but, uh, no, he's, uh, he's pretty good. He's my RB six in this class. Um, yeah. I, I like how he runs. Um, obviously there's competition level concerns, but he played in the same conference that James Robinson played in that David Johnson played in. So we've seen players from this background have success before. Um, yeah, I think he's solid. I think he'll be a really good number two back for somebody. I, I don't ever expect him to necessarily be, um, a, a stud starter, but, I could see him like making a career out of like what Tony Pollard's role is right now. And yeah, that makes a lot of sense. The Tony, yeah. Just getting like eight carries and four targets a game, and that being his role, like him, you know, somewhere in the Chase Edmonds to Miles Gaskin continuum, and he he's uh this coining phrases, um, but yeah, it's uh. Strong's fun. You know, he, he's, he, he was very productive. He's athletic. Um, yeah, not a whole lot of holes to pick in the profile, just the level of competition and then the age. But, um, yeah, I, I think he'll be a, a valued member of a football team. Yeah. I, 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 I somehow did not end up watching him. Like I waste, who are some of the guys I wasted time watching who were terrible? Uh, Let's Hassan see. Haskins. I was, Hassan, oh that my was God. actually literally what I was about to say. Anyway, like Snoop Connor. Oh God, both of those guys suck so yeah, bad. They're so bad. I caught Snoop Connor to Paul Perkins. Uh, <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> Mike, what are your thoughts on on uh, on uh, this gentleman whose name's escaping me? Because I'm reading Pierre my Strong. Snoop. Pierre Strong. <laughs> yeah, Pierre Strong. I was reading my Snoop Connor notes where I'm like, why am I watching this? <laughs> um yeah i I think he's he's the mascot of south dakota state every every time i see him he he reminds me of of a jackrabbit so uh yeah i think you guys covered it well but i had to get at that end because just watching him i'm just like oh my god he's like the mascot on the football field yeah no he i like i watching him i was i was like i really should have been watching Pierre Strong instead of uh, Keontae Ingram. <laughs> or, yeah, you know, that would have been that would have been a better decision. Yes, like I don't know how I I ended up not watching him. Uh, all right, so anything to add about these guys, about these good running backs? All right, let's talk. I think the most apt Trey Regis Memorial picks because they're the running backs. And if this is your first episode, let me tell you what the Trey Regis Memorial pick is. Uh, last year, Evan Hoofler, who was on last week's episode, uh, pops on from time to time, uh, co-owner of the website. 
Uh, he put Trey Regis in his top 10 at running back. Mike Walker and I went, why? He's bad. He goes, I don't know. He's fun. He's maybe he's not good, but he's fun. And I wanted a fun guy in my top 10. So we, we want to make sure that we have our Trey Regis guys for um, guys that we're not sure if they're good, but damn, are they fun? Oh, wait, hold on. I got one thing I forgot. Uh, you guys want to hear Chris Sims top five running backs? Oh, oh good God. Jesus. <laughs> uh, can I guess them? Uh, sure. The in order. Uh, number one, Isaiah Spiller. Wrong. Is it Brees Hall? No. Number one, Rashad White. No. Jesus Christ. Uh, Sincere McCormick. James Cook. Don't think so hard. Kenneth Walker. Kenneth Walker, who he called by far the best running back in this class. Old. Um, <laughs> I like Kenneth Walker a lot, but weird call. Uh, I'll go with Hall too then. Correct. Um, then is Spiller his third? No, nope, I'll give you a hint. We only talked about one of the remaining three guys. Oh, God. Uh, is is it Rashad? No. Three is, is not a guy that we talked about. Um, Number three. Not a guy we talked about. Damian uh, Pierce. Correct. Damn it. God, he sucks so bad. Uh, is number four a guy we talked about? Yes. Uh, Spiller. No. Herm said he's good. He's, he's related to a guy in the NFL, and that's how this works. Oh, James Cook. James Cook. And then five? I don't. I could give you a million guesses. I don't think you would get it. Max Borgie. Nope. Jerrion Ely. Nope. Uh, can I have a hint? Uh, he shares a name with a Game of Thrones character. What? Game of Thrones. I was going to say Zonovan Knight, but that's not nope. it. All right, I'll put you guys out of your misery. Tyrion Davis-Price. Oh, my God. <laughs> He's terrible. Is that the LSU guy? Yeah. yeah, he's okay. awful. I... He's really bad. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Get Chris Sims out of here. Get after him out. He, after he uh, put Kellen Mond ahead of Justin Fields last year, I knew I never had to take him seriously again. I'm just waiting for his 2022 first round mock draft because last year it was a beauty, a thing of beauty. Yeah, he's going to have the Lions taking somebody that nobody has projected them. Like they're going to take he's going to have them taking like Trevor Penning for some reason. Uh um Peter Schrager put out a mock draft yesterday that had the Lions taking Trayvon. Yeah, that's not going to happen. I was like just stop. We've run out of takes. Just stop. We've run out of mock draft takes. All right, let's get into the Trey Regis memorial pick. So, like I said, guys, we're not sure if they're good, but sure but they're sure fun. And I think Mike and Herms, you guys had the same guy, and he sure fits the first part of this. We're not sure if he's good. And it's Kyron Williams. I'm pretty sure he's not. (laughs) You're pretty sure he's not. Herms, why don't you go first? You're the guest. What made Kyron Williams your Trey Regis pick? Honestly, like, the testing at the Combine made me so sad because when I was going over watching him and taking my notes, like, what I observed, I was like, I'm kind of on the opposite. Like, I I thought he was, like, super, like, stupid, absurdly good. Like, I was very impressed by what I saw from Kyron Williams just because, like, now I, I will say, like, one of the measurables that at least, like, the way I characterize it, like, maybe it's just, like, a conglomerate of, like, a few different traits or whatever, but it's what I like to call presence of mind for a running back. Like, when he didn't make the right decision, it was a very curious decision, but, like, 
when he operates in open space, I think he has like a very diverse set of skills to be able to like evade what would be tacklers. And I'm just like, this guy gets it. He just, he gets it. Like I'm, I'm there for like, so fascinating. And also just like his, like, I think in pass protection, like that dude, like he will be able to find himself. If nothing else, if he is really bad, if nothing else, he will find himself on field, like in third downs, just to make sure that the quarterback doesn't fall over. Cause that dude is not afraid <laughs> to go up against anybody. Like, I watching this dude, I'm just like, oh, my gosh, yes, this is the answer. This is the truth. This is the guy. And then at the combine, it's like, oh, he's the worst athlete ever. Great. OK, cool. Never mind. Yeah. OK, let's let's scrap everything that I was convinced. of. So it's like I'm having a hard time because, like, I was blown away by watching him. And then the measurables were like everything you thought is a lie. So I I don't know what to make of Kyron Williams anymore because I was beating the drum for him very aggressively loudly early on. And then the combine happened and I just decided to shut the F up just immediately. I was like, nope, forget I ever said anything. Nope, nope. Like, I'm never going to delete my tweets or anything because, like, I don't there's no use in doing that. I'm not afraid of people that are going to pull receipts and be like, oh, really? Because you were saying this. It's like, okay, so I was wrong. We're all wrong about a lot of stuff constantly. But uh, yeah, I dude. If this works out, I'm I'm going to be so happy. <laughs> but, like, I... Ugh. And, like, he improved his 40 time at his pro day. But even then, how reliable are the pro day numbers? I mean, that's something that comes up a lot. Like, I'm, it it's going to be fascinating. I'm just, like, really depressed about how that ended up working out. Because it's, like, the, the, dif- the distance between what I thought and what ended up happening is just... It, it's a very, very massive cliff he fell off of. So... There you go, Kyron Williams, folks. That's uh, that was an interesting description on my part. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I never, ever, ever, definitely did not fall for Kyron Williams game tape. Nope, not me, not at all. Nope, not a thing that I did. <laughs> well, I actually didn't do that. So I thought he was. Well, he reminded me of Chase Edmonds. That was the only thing. Is the guy you love, Chase Edmonds? All right, Mike, he's he's your uh, Trey Regis pick as well. So let's talk about Kyron. What 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 made you put Kyron as your Trey Regis guy? Well, I, I'm, you know me, I, I'm the guy that loves the power backs, that loves running backs to run over people, to run right into their face and just keep running. Uh, blocking is another thing that I love watching players to do that aren't offense alignment. So he has both of those in spades. Not not fast i mean he's not eddie george out there obviously but he does sort of look sorry like i that. made my background mike's favorite play run through a mother effer's face yes i love that <laughs> um and so if you look at eddie george eddie george is a bad pass catcher where kyron williams can catch um and then if you look at eddie george eddie george has speed straight especially straight line speed kyron williams doesn't have it so those are sort of the differences with him and eddie george and I just I just love those players that are just going to block and run over people's faces. So that's why Kyron Williams is my Trey Regis play player of running backs. Yeah, so um, I'll go with my guy, um, the guy that I kept saying calling him a baddie, Tyler Beatty. Um, mm-hmm. I liked him, but he's so small. Yes, I mean, five five eight one ninety four. He's a tiny boy. He's basically Kenneth Gainwell, who I really liked last year. I, I read back my my like game notes watching him and i was like 
This exactly describes what I said about Kenny Gainwell last year to the point where I said, please do not run him up the middle because he will get blown up. Which <laughs> is literally what I said about Gainwell last year. He's 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 a lot of fun to watch. Beatty is. I think ultimately he's going to be a going to maximize out as a pass pass catching back. That's best what he can do. Um, I mean, he had a lot of rushing yards. He doesn't fumble, but really what it is is he's just fast. I mean, that's, that's yeah, yep. he's fast. That's all it is. And and what's funny is he's a lot faster than he tested because he tested four four five. But if you watch him, there's no way that he plays at four four. He is breakaway speed. Yeah. yeah, I mean he he was one of two running backs or two players in FBS college football to lead their team in rushing and receiving yards last year. Mm-hmm. Um, the other one was Deuce Vaughn at Kansas State, who is even smaller than Tyler Beatty somehow. Um, Deuce Vaughn's like five six one seventy. Um, but, uh, yeah, Beatty is, uh, he's fun. He doesn't have very good vision. Um, no, but he's small and fast, right? He's little and fast. He can catch the ball. Um, yeah, he, he's very, uh, he's very much going to be a role player in the NFL. I I think he can catch on as either a return guy or a seldom used pass catcher. Um, but I don't think he'll be much more than that. Yeah, I I think ultimately he's gonna he's gonna be a a return guy in the NFL, uh, kind of like a Kenny up in Minnesota guy. Where right now that's pretty much what he does, and he just uses sure. his speed. I think his only limitation with that is, like you said, his lack of vision. He's gonna have trouble seeing the block set up ahead of him as a return guy, but um, he can break one. I think he also has a decent um, route tree. Like you can run him in the slot if you need to, you know, have him shift out mm-hmm. into the, into the slot, but mostly he's small and fast. So I want him to be really good. So that's, that's why Tyler Beatty's my guy. And originally he was in my top five and I kept thinking about it and I was like, I can't, I can't, can't, I can't do, do it. This. Yeah. I can't do this. So he just kept moving down. I think he's like, I think he's still in my top 10, but I think he's like eight or nine for me now. He's, he's down there towards the bottom. Um, but he might drop because I have not put Pierre strong in my, in my ranks yet. I'm still trying to mull over where he's going to be. Um, So uh, let's finish this up with Walker, Uh, your guy, uh, Isaiah Pacheco. Yeah, Uh, Pacheco is uh, out of Rutgers, um, I believe 5'10", about 210. Very good RAS, round nine. Um, He's fast, he's strong, he's agile. Um, He's a tough runner, even though he's not real big. You can catch the ball a little bit out of the backfield. Um, vision is kind of lacking at times. Uh, you, sometimes you just kind of get stuck behind the line. Uh, not the most explosive guy in the world. Contact balance, yeah, <laughs> not great. Um, but, uh, I mean, this is a guy I have a fifth-round grade on. Um, he's back end of my top ten. I've just I've really liked him for like three years now because he's been the starter at Rutgers for a long time, and Rutgers has just had a completely malfunctioning offense other than him for the entire time he's been there, and I'm just really happy that he's actually like getting buzz as a guy who's going to get drafted at some point. So, um, yeah, uh, my ceiling for him is uh, and this is based on like 
this is mostly based on just like height, weight, RAS, but Lamar Miller. Um, I feel like Pacheco, if he ends up in the right spot, could be a guy who gets eight or 900 rushing yards a couple times. Um, floor is, and again, Jeff, you're going to love this one, but this came straight from the RAS website, so you can blame Kent. To shard choice. That beats how Eno <laughs> Benjamin is the most like random comp that you've given. Yeah. To shard choice. Love. Sorry, I, I I like flailed backwards away from the mic. Yeah, <laughs> I just Walker it. said that. I just loved it when I saw it. I was like, I have to add this one for Jeff. But um, basically, any dude who like barely hangs onto a roster spot, but is always just around. Um, and then the my actual count form is Jeremy McNichols was another guy that was kind of long-term productive in college but never like a star um and mcnichols has found a role as a kind of catch-all backup in tennessee um and i think that's probably what pacheco ends up being is an rb2 or three for a team he's either an rb2 for a team who has a dominant rb1 or an rb3 for a team in a committee and uh yeah i i think he'll He'll be a willing special teamer. His athleticism will show, and he'll be a guy who sticks around on rosters, but isn't really that much of a fantasy contributor. Um, just a guy I like. I think, yeah, I think he's going to be a a guy who we get really excited to be like. I'm, I'm in mid-August. I'm going to be sending Walker a link to a preseason highlight of him just, you know, busting one. Yeah, he's gonna get like a 31-yard run for yeah. for the he could, as the the fourth guy into the game for the Cowboys or something, and yeah. I'm like, oh, he's gonna win the RB3 job for the Cowboys, and then when Ooh. Zeke gets hurt, he's gonna be the RB2. Ooh, he's gonna do it. And then he doesn't do it. Yeah, and then he ends up in the USFL alongside Sage Surratt. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, he ends up <laughs> he ends up playing he ends up playing in Canada. Oh, all right, that'll do it. We did it. We're done. Runny we're boys do- complete. Runny boys complete. We're done talking. And and while we're talking, I'm going to figure out a way to map uh, Bigly Boy versus Wiggly Boy onto a continuum using scores on the on RAS.football. I'm, 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 I've been thinking it through, and I, I think I might be able to do it. So uh, look for me to not follow through with that on a Twitter feed near you. <laughs> that, that's at Jeff Crisco for not that, but other yeah. stuff. Not uh, at Jeff Crisco for not that, but things like this is the biggest and wettest the big wet boy has ever been. Tweets like that. Um, So before we get out of here, let's redo some plugs. Herms, where can the people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Herms NFL. That's where I do a lot of weird tweeting about stuff. I don't know. It's it's interesting. I mean, if you follow, I don't know, people for football, I'm an option. That's there you go. (laughs) I don't know. There you go. I would recommend Herms as a football person. Herm, Herms go. is within the range of football people. If you like, if you like Twitter accounts such as Lindellians or Big Daddy Drips, <laughs> you will like Herms NFL. Yes. There you go. But yeah, uh, so on Twitter, Herms NFL. If you like the way that I poorly explain things, but you want to hear it with bad words, you can check out my podcast, The Lateral Show. Uh, comes out whenever we do it. So I don't know. We'll establish more of a regular schedule as like redraft picks up. But now it's just kind of whenever I have time and I feel like it. And then if you want to 
get more coherent thoughts from me. I'm a much better writer than I am a talker. And you can find those written things over at fantasypros.com. That's I just had my first ever article drop today or by the time you're hearing this yesterday or whenever. It, I don't know. It's on the website. Just look for it. Yeah. Or if you're reading this a week from now. Eight days ago, yeah, it was it was a it was a very good article about running backs to avoid, even though it hurt my soul because it included Chase Edmonds. Yeah, and I mean, that one that one was a little looser, but I I stand by the reasoning. And yeah, it, was, that's it was old news for me because I read it like a week ago. So get it get good, everybody else. Wow, uh, inside info. That's right. So. Um, for us, just check out the Twitch. Sign up for us, twitch.tv slash footballabsurdity. You'll know when we go live. We got three Twitch streams next week the, at the NFL draft, or surrounding the NFL draft. We won't be there. Um, Tuesday, I'll... Mike dies. Thursday. Yeah. Uh... Tuesday, Mike dies. Wednesday, Mike's Mike's uh, funeral. Thursday, NFL <laughs> draft. Mike reincarnated. Uh... Just like Jesus, he comes back three days later. Yeah, Friday, Mike reincarnated. He is risen. <laughs> So uh, we'll be back then. Uh, next time we talk to you folks, it will be in the Patreon feed. That is going to be a podcast version of our Twitch stream from next Friday about round one and two. So, Herms, thank you so much again for coming. Always a fun time with you. Uh, very happy to talk to you. And I got to say, I agree. I'm looking at your timeline. I got to agree. Get Ranch out of there. Her, a barbecue Dude. sauce ranch ketchup or hot sauce get ranch out of there it's garbage we don't need ranch it's 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 pointless get it out grow up have blue cheese Gar- garlic mayo get out of here get out of here all right <laughs> for mike and walker and herms thanks for listening take care have a good one and i wasn't sure if herms had his vape or his kazoo in his hand <laughs> <laughs> goodbye see ya Hello, everybody. God damn it, dog.